Hey, well, welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Welcome to everybody who is live in the room right now with me. Welcome to everybody from Blackhawk downtown. What's up, downtown people? Welcome to Blackhawk Fitchburg. I see you all. Welcome to Gospel Fusion folks. Welcome to Traditions folks. Man, we are so excited that all of you are joining us. And uh, welcome to everybody who is joining us online. So glad that, uh, that you're getting a chance to be able to be with us. To our Chinese speakers who are joining us right now, Dijon Ping An, and to our Spanish-speaking folks in the room, bienvenidos a Blackhawk. Estamos muy contentos de que estén con nosotros. So it is great to be able to be one church in a whole lot of different locations. And uh, we are continuing in this series right now in the book of Acts. If you haven't been around at all, we've been going through the book of Acts for, so far for this fall. And uh, the series that we have been going through was called Empowered for Mission. But we're taking a little bit of a turn today and kind of moving into the second part of this series. Now, last week, uh, just to remind you, Charles last week gave a great kind of synopsis of where we have been in this series so far. And he took us kind of through all the weeks with everything that has happened in the inception of the church. And really, if you want to understand it, you have to go all the way back to, the, to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is right after Jesus has died and risen from the grave, triumphant over sin, and spent time with his followers, and now he is about to ascend back to heaven. And he says these words to his followers. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus in this moment is telling his followers, remember at this moment, that to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit that's gonna come on them. And sure enough, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on this small group of 120 or so folks. And we see the Holy Spirit do amazing things as the church just begins to grow. So into this, this multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural community of people all in Jerusalem of like thousands of people who are coming to the place of accepting Jesus as their savior. But now as that's happened, now from the Jewish religious leaders of the day, there's a persecution that's breaking out. That's where Charles took us last week, right at the beginning of chapter eight. And there's a great persecution that's happening to all of these different believers. And so believers are beginning to scatter at this moment. But think about this. As they scatter, all of these people from the church who have been empowered for mission by the Holy Spirit, they are beginning to scatter. And everywhere they go, well, the message of Jesus goes with them. The Holy Spirit goes with them. And we begin to see, man, churches just begin to pop up all over the place as people come to the place of accepting Jesus as their savior. And so it's kind of the second half now of chapter one, verse eight, that we are looking at. So we have been empowered for mission and now they are going to the ends of the earth. So we are starting the second half, really the second part of this series called to the ends of the earth, where we continue in the book of Acts. And what we're gonna do over these five weeks these five weeks, uh, is we are going to kind of plop down in different areas now in the book of Acts and take a look at stories of people who have been scattered, who begin to share their faith with those who they come in contact with. So for the next five weeks, we're talking about how to share your faith. We're going to talk about the subject of evangelism. So listen, as I say that out loud, like I know that there are people who like, as soon as we say the word 
evangelism, they just start to get nervous. Because for some of us, like we've had bad experiences with evangelism in the past. You might think of street preachers. Maybe you've had experiences with people who have come to like evangelize you and it didn't go well, you know, because we, you know, we think of it like as believers, we're supposed to go and share our faith with lost people, right? Now, <laughs> the thing is, I'm guessing that for some people in the room or people who are at our different sites and venues or even watching online, you've never come to the place of accepting Jesus as your savior. <laughs> and so like you hear us say, we're, we need to share with lost people. We're talking about you right now. Doesn't that feel great? And you're like, whatever, I'm not lost. You're lost. You know, like, like that's sort of how it hits you. And listen, like I get that. I'm, first off, if you're here, you're not a believer. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're at any of our sites, I'm so glad that you're here to be able to hear this message because we know, like as Christians, we have not done this right all the time. Like we're, <laughs> we're kind of the worst sometimes when it comes to this subject. But here's the reason why we share what it is that we believe. It's because you see, we as Christians, like we <laughs> we've bought into the idea, we believe that Jesus was actually the son of God and the savior of the world. And when he was walking the planet, he was the one who said to his followers, look, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by me. And so after he had died and risen from the grave, he said to his followers, look, I want you to go and be my witnesses. In other words, I want you to go and share the message of Jesus, the message of my grace and mercy and forgiveness for all people who want to accept it. I want you to share that with everybody. That's why we share our faith. And as Christians, like, <laughs> if you're a non-Christian, thanks for putting up with us. You know, because we just know that we're not all that good at it all the time. That's why we feel like it would be a good subject for us for a few weeks to be able to talk about. Because if we're Christians, when we, when we really start to unpack, regardless of like how long you've been a believer or what age or stage of life or ethnicity you are, when you think about the idea of sharing your faith, man, it can feel kind of awkward. Like it can be intimidating, can't it? Like we kind of, we wonder sometimes like, okay, how's this going to sit with somebody? We wonder, um, I mean, it can be intimidating. What if somebody asks a question that we don't know how to answer? For some of us, we think, well, I don't know. Like I feel, I don't feel like I'm necessarily sure it's right for me to impose my beliefs on another person. There are all kinds of reasons why we struggle with the idea of sharing our faith. You know, one of the biggest reasons though, I think that why we don't do it more than pretty much anything else it's because like a lot of times we just don't even think about it. Like it just doesn't, like we get busy, stress of life comes, we get preoccupied with other stuff and we don't even think about the idea of sharing our faith with others. So what I wanna do today is I want to take some time to take a look at the life of one particular person early on in this scattering of believers and see what can we learn from this person and the way that he shared his faith um, that we might be able to take something away and potentially do that a little differently. So we're going to take a look today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter eight. If you brought your Bibles, if you have your journal, you can use that if you brought your smartphone and we're gonna go to Romans chapter eight, starting with 26, verse 26. We're gonna take a look at the life of a guy named Philip. 
Now, okay, a little bit of a background story. Philip. Philip is one of the new leaders in the church. Okay, so as the church was growing, Charles talked about this a few weeks ago. There was this, this, this group of seven different leaders who were put into a position of being in charge of food distribution, different Greek leaders. Philip is one of these guys, but now he's been scattered. And he's gone from, from Jerusalem now to Samaria. And as he's in Samaria, God does like some crazy stuff. You need to read a bunch of the chapter of, eight, like just chapter eight, just read it. You'll hear the story of the work that God was doing in Samaria. He comes into contact with a sorcerer, leads this sorcerer to Jesus and, uh, you know, like baptizes him. It's just crazy. And after that took place, the Holy Spirit nudged him to move in a particular direction and he comes into contact with another person that's way outside the box of, I think, who he would have thought he would be sharing his faith with. And that's the story we're going to look at, starting with verse 26. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Okay, let's stop. There is so much going on already in this section of scripture. And uh, I mean, two words that we need to just unpack a little bit that we could so easily pass over are the words Ethiopian eunuch. There is a lot in there, okay? Ethiopian, all right? This person was from Africa. Therefore, we can kind of deduce that this person was probably black. Now think about this. A, a black man traveling to Middle Eastern Jerusalem, is he going to stand out a little bit, potentially in the crowd? On top of that, he's traveled a long distance. Okay, now why? Well, He's had some type of encounter with God. He is a God-fearer. Now, we don't know exactly how that happened. Most likely, he was not born Jewish in Ethiopia. But he has had some type of experience where he has encountered God. And who knows if he is, is considering becoming Jewish or if he is a recent convert. We really don't know. We just know that God has been doing some type of work in this guy's life to where he has felt that it would be wise for him to travel all the way from Ethiopia, from the ends of the earth, all the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem to be able to worship. So he's an Ethiopian, okay? The other thing we need to unpack is the word eunuch. Well, that's fun to unpack, isn't it? So he's a eunuch. Now, here's what we know from tradition and history. For many young men who were working closely within royal families, they were appointed to those positions early in life or set aside for positions like that early in life. And so oftentimes, if they were working closely with the family, they would be castrated, the reason why is because for a royal family, they wanted to make sure there wasn't sexual promiscuity that potentially would happen with their family. The reason for that is they wanted to make sure that the heirs of that family came solely from the king's seed. And that was a way to make sure that that happened. And so this young man, probably he was appointed early on as a young man and was castrated. And so therefore you think about that, I mean, just medically, with a lack of testosterone then in his body, he probably would have looked and sounded different than the majority of people. He at least would have felt different. He would have potentially really felt, think about this, like an other, 
Like he wasn't exactly sure where he fit. He probably growing up would have dealt with, I mean, you can imagine, you know, being made fun of, ridicule, being the brunt of people's jokes. He would have felt like in many ways like an outsider. And it would have been noticeable from his physical appearance. So picture this, okay? Ethiopian eunuch traveling to Jerusalem. Do you think that he stood out a little bit? And he gets to the temple and the temple is supposed to be a place where anyone can come and they can worship God. But in reality, I mean, within the temple, like the temple was a place that was fairly segregated. I mean, like from what we know of the temple, there were places that Gentiles could go, but then places farther in where Jews could go. There were places where where women could go to be in the temple, but there were places where men could go farther into the temple. And there were actual restrictions set aside in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, actually for eunuchs who would show up and desire to worship in the temple. So this guy travels all the way from Ethiopia to the temple. And I, look, this isn't written in scripture, but I'm just guessing his experience wasn't great. He shows up at the temple and potentially from the restrictions and all the things that he has there, he feels, he, he comes to be with God and he ends up feeling like an outsider. I'm just guessing that was his experience. Now, here's the reason why I bring that up, why I think it's important for us to talk about is because my guess is, is that there are people who are listening to me right now here in the room at any of our sites and venues and you potentially feel like an outsider. Like for whatever reason of the things going on in your life, you're not exactly sure what camp you fit in and, and for all kinds of different reasons, you could feel like an outsider and you desperately want to connect with God in some way. It might be the reason why you're here. And yet as you come to church or as you have come to church another time at another place, you've had experiences where you've actually left feeling more like an outsider rather than a part of a community. Some of you, you could be watching online right now because that's been your experience as you've walked through the doors of the church. And just as the senior pastor of this church, for the experiences that you've had in the past or the experiences that you have had maybe even here this morning. If you feel like an outsider, I just want you to hear me say, I'm really sorry. That is not our desire and intention. I don't believe that that's the desire of Jesus. So, and, and our desire here as a church is for people, regardless of where they're at on their spiritual journey, where they can come and be a part of a community where they feel like a part of the community. Now, our desire for every single person coming through the doors is that they would encounter Jesus and that all of our lives, we would become people who open up our lives to the transforming work that Jesus desires to do inside of us, making us more like him. But in the process of that, as we walk through that together, regardless of where you're at, our desire is for you to feel like part of the community, regardless if you've become a Christ follower or not. That's why one of the things we say around here is you don't have to believe to belong. And I just know that everybody potentially hasn't felt that way. I'm sorry. That's our desire. I'm guessing for this Ethiopian, probably that is not an experience that he had in this moment. And so he is, he is leaving the temple now and he is on his way home. And this is where he encounters Philip. So now remember, he is a government official. So he is probably high up in the government in Ethiopia. He is probably um, tr- you know, rich and prominent. He's traveling in a chariot. And uh, this is where things start to get a little funny, okay? When we really unpack it. Let's go to verse 29. So the spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay? 
okay, this guy's in a chariot, meaning he was pretty well off. You know, he was kind of a big deal. The average person didn't have a chariot. If he was in a chariot, he probably had a driver. Being an official, you know, in the Ethiopian government, he probably, he could have had a guard or two with him. He would have been someone who looked like an other, but also kind of intimidating. And here's Philip and the Holy Spirit says, yeah, go stay close to that chariot. Do you think that chariots just traveled the same speed that everybody walked? You know, there was a reason for a chariot. It just potentially moved a little bit quicker. And so Philip has to go up to this chariot. He's at least walking faster or like, <laughs> think about this, jogging next to the chariot. Do you think that he feels a little out of place in this moment as he's running next to this chariot, trying to have a conversation, seeing, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know why you have me doing this, but this is what I'm doing right now. So we're jogging along with this chariot. Let's keep going with the story. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, which I'm sure Philip was really grateful for at this point. People didn't jog a lot back then, you know? <laughs> this passage of scripture the eunuch was reading, he, this is the passage he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from him. So, now, <laughs> think about this. Philip's jogging, starts a conversation with this guy. The guy invites him up into the chariot in that moment. And he, he asks him this question. This is so interesting. He was invited up and then verse 34, he says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, now, He's, he's just shared this passage of scripture from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. This guy is reading a scroll. Why is he reading a scroll? Well, again, he's a prominent official. He's probably well off. He was able to most likely buy a scroll while he was there. The average family didn't have finances to afford something like that, but he did. And so he's reading this scroll. And people back then, as they read, they, they would often, I mean, it was cultural that people would read out loud. They wouldn't read silently to themselves. So Philip, as he's jogging along next to this chariot, here's this guy reading, says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Starts the conversation with this guy by asking questions. And the guy invites him up. And the passage that he's reading is a passage, Isaiah 53, which for many of us who, who are here, we might be familiar with that passage of scripture. It's a passage written hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, which is a foreshadowing of, of Jesus. So uh, the fact that he was coming to this earth. We read that and we see Jesus in that passage. But think about this. The Ethiopian, he has been living during the time where Jesus was there and living in Ethiopia. He doesn't know the stories of Jesus, but he's reading this passage. Okay, now remember, he's an Ethiopian eunuch. So what I want you to do for just a minute is to put on glasses, to look at this passage Verse 33, through the lenses of what this guy is reading, with the experiences that he has had in life. In his humiliation, he was despised of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
Like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just imagining this Ethiopian. He's sitting there, he's reading, and he's going, well, I understand humiliation, and I'll never have any descendants because of what's been done to me. You see, I'm guessing that there was this empathy coming from this Ethiopian eunuch as he related to this story. And any time that we begin to empathize with a passage, but we don't understand it, what happens? Question starts to happen. And that's the reason why he asks, okay, who is this person who they're talking about in this passage? And Philip goes on then from that passage of scripture to share the gospel. It transforms this guy's life as he accepts Christ. It's just an amazing story that's so outside the box. So here's my question, okay? We listen to a story like this about Philip sharing his faith with an Ethiopian eunuch who gives his life to Jesus. What can we learn from a story like this can, that, can, that can help us in the way that, you know, when we have opportunities to be able to share our faith? What do we see in the life of Philip? One thing I think that we can pick up that we could take from it is to be on the lookout Here's what I mean by be on the lookout. What are the opportunities that God lays in front of us to be able to share our faith that because of the fact of us being busy, preoccupied with other things, having our minds in different places, we just completely miss. You see, Philip in this moment was attuned to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was doing in that moment. And his eyes were open to see the opportunities that were coming up in, in front of him. So, I mean, the reality is, I mean, think about this. God is at work all over the place in areas we don't realize it. He is in work in all kinds of people because his desire is to see all people come to the place of accepting him as a savior. But do we have our eyes open to be able to see those opportunities? What does it mean to be on the lookout? Months ago, well, year and a half ago, do you remember when COVID started? That's a fun subject. Let's just go there for a while. So... And COVID started, and remember, everything started to shut down. That was just awful. And uh, we were still in the place we thought it would just be a short period of time. <laughs> and uh, um, back at that time, my wife and I, we really enjoy, we enjoy working out, and we do it three to four times a week. We have a gym that we go to, and our gym shut down. And, uh, and it didn't take long before it was like, okay, YouTube videos and things like that just weren't working all that well for workouts. We had really minimal like workout equipment in our home. And so as it started to warm up, we started to get outside and to run more often. And uh, we live over by a golf course. And so there was one particular road we'd run all the time, you know, right along this golf course. And as it got warmer, you also started to notice um, as things started to loosen a little bit, golfers who were out and golfing all the time. And so one day, one day as I'm running down there, I'm running and uh, I, you know, as I was, as I was running down the street, I, uh, I saw a golf ball on the side of the road and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I picked it up, I look around, there's like no golfers. And so I'm like, well, okay, free golf ball. And, uh, and so took it with me, brought it home, showed Rachel, hey, look what I found. And, um, and then about 10 days or so later, um, Rachel was on a run. She had been on a few runs since then. She comes home, she's like, hey, look what I found on the side of the road, golf ball. And uh, we were like, all right, that's kind of cool. And at that point, okay, something clicked in my head to where I thought, okay, what would happen if we actually started like looking for golf balls when we ran? Like just as we're jogging, you know, like just sort of keeping our eyes out just to see what we see. We started finding 
all kinds of golf balls every time we ran. It was like, you couldn't believe all the places, thank you very much, that they were as, uh, as, as you were running. Oh, free golf ball, somebody. In fact, You know who finds golf balls on a golf course when they're jogging? People who are looking for golf balls. You know who finds opportunities to be able to share their faith with other people and help people understand more about Jesus? People who have their eyes open to the opportunities that God places in front of us. You see, I'm just wondering what would happen if we as a church just started to strive to just have our eyes open to the places that God might place in front of us where we have the opportunity to be able to share some of the story with Jesus, with people who come, we come in contact with. Not like in a creepy way, but just in an appropriate, humble way to just have our eyes open, see what God might do. That's what Philip was doing in this, in this situation that he was in. That's one thing, Okay. Another thing I think we can learn from Philip is to be curious, be curious. Do you notice as Philip is awkwardly jogging next to this chariot, uh, one of the things that he does, he just starts asking questions. He says to this guy, look, do you understand what it is that you're reading? Like, do you get what it is that you're, you're reading right now? He asks, think about this, he asks questions, he takes an interest in this guy, and he waits to be invited. He doesn't, as he hears the guy reading the scripture, he doesn't say, oh, it's interesting that you're reading from Isaiah 53 right now. I'm one of, actually one of the leaders in the church. I'm in charge of food distribution. And, uh, you know, like, no, no, no. He, he just says, hey, do you understand what it is that you're reading? He takes an interest in the person. What would it look like for us? Rather than us trying to come with an agenda of just simply being people who just take interest in people's stories. Why is it that they believe what they believe? What is it that is going on in their life? What have their experiences been within the church, within spirituality? What are their opinions of who Jesus is? Just to ask questions, be curious about people, get to know them because they're amazing people and, and wait to be invited. So there's something powerful about that. That's number two, be curious. Number three is be prepared. As this, as this eunuch finally invites him up into the chariot, yeah, Philip knows how to share his faith. Let me ask you, if someone were to invite you into their chariot, would you have any idea what to share with them? Like when it comes to the idea of sharing your faith, do you feel like you have an idea of, of how you would do that? Lots of people, they, they, they don't really know how to do that. And so here during this series, we're trying to come up with different ways that you can hopefully learn better on how to share your faith. And so if you go to our website, we have all kinds of different information on there right now that will help you learn how to be able to share your faith. On top of that, we have um, started our podcast again for this series. The first one is going to drop this Wednesday. You can go online and go ahead and set that to download. And we're going to have conversations about the subject of evangelism and sharing your faith in order to help people understand ways to be able to do that better. Next week, up here, Charles is going to talk about how do we share our story. 
The week after that, I'm gonna take some time in my message to give just a very simple gospel presentation that anyone can do. Doesn't matter what age you are or stage of life or how long you've been a believer or how much of the Bible you know, this is one that you can do because it's important for us to be prepared. These are the things that we see happen with Philip and it leads to a life transformation with this guy. Let's go back to the story for just a minute. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Okay, I just love, I love this picture so much. We can miss it so easily. Think about what's being said here. The eunuch says, what can stand in the way? of me being baptized. Think about this. This guy who most likely has felt like an other, who has felt like an outsider, who has felt restrictions, who goes to the temple and walks away potentially feeling more isolated than before. He went to the temple looking for God and he found Jesus on the way home when Philip took time to be able to share with him. Like in that moment, I just love the picture where it's like all the restrictions come down for this guy as he understands the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. What is it that Philip shared with him on the road? Think about that. What was the gospel that he shared? What's that? Look, all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of God's standards, but God created a way for us to be in right relationship with him. We couldn't get to God, so God came to us. And he came to us through his son, Jesus, who he sent into this world to live a perfect life and to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for all of our sins. So that for any of us who actually place our faith in Jesus, I'm not tr trusting in me to live a good enough life. I can't live a good enough life. No, I am placing my faith in Jesus, in him alone for my salvation. Anyone can have eternal life and be in right relationship with God. There are no restrictions. And for this guy who felt like an other his entire life to say these words, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? I get it. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm renewed. I am right with God all because of Jesus. Let's get baptized. And so he goes down into the water. This is where the story even gets crazier. I just love this so much. So verse 39, <laughs> it's unreal. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Anyone? Little reaction on that? <laughs> suddenly took him away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. <laughs> that is just amazing. Like you picture that like, like Philip's baptizing this guy. The eunuch goes down underwater and picture like anytime you're coming up from the water, what do you do? You close your eyes and then you're wiping your eyes and he opens them and Philip's gone. Like he teleported or apparated or I don't, like, I don't know which are the ones you want to use, but he wasn't there anymore. I have no idea how to explain that. I have no idea what that would have been like, but that happened. And the Ethiopian's standing there now alone in the water and the drivers, I don't, like, how do you explain that? But he goes away rejoicing. <laughs> like, because he all of a sudden realized he was in a right place with God. 
because of Jesus. You know, I think that for some of us sometimes when we think about the idea of sharing our faith, it can, be, it, can it be intimidating? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm the professional Christian in the room and I still get intimidated sharing my faith sometimes. And, and yet think about this for a minute. For any of you who are Christ followers, okay? Like take a journey back on memory lane to the person or people who helped you understand the message of the gospel. Think of them right now. Like the people who helped you to understand grace, mercy, and forgiveness, the love of God that doesn't make sense. Can you remember those people? Aren't, aren't you grateful for them and the role that they played in your life? You see, <laughs> I think that God desires to use each of us in the lives of other people. That's what we see happen in the Ethiopian eunuch. He goes away joyful because of what it was that he found. What would it look like for God to use us the same way in the lives of other people. So here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna challenge you this week to do something. I, I wanna challenge you. Um, today, I would love it if you would, after this service, um, I want you to go ahead and, and drive down to State Street on campus. And I would love for you to take a minute to go up to somebody who you don't know. I want you to look them square in the eye and I want you to say, God loves you and so do I. I'm just kidding. So I just, no, 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 don't have to do that. But it was fun watching your awkward faces as I was saying that out loud. Here's what I want you to do. I would love for you just to simply start praying. God, would you open my eyes to the things that you're doing in other people's lives? Would you open my eyes to the way that you're working and help me to see the opportunities that you want me to step into to help people understand who you are? And then one other step I want you to take I would love for you this week to think of three people you know who don't know Jesus. Maybe you wanna write their names down somewhere or put them in your phone. And I would love for you just to start praying for those people that God would become real to them and give you potentially the opportunity to play a role in their lives. So now for some of you right now, as I say that out loud and I ask you to start thinking about those three people, I wanna talk to a specific crowd right now because for some of you, when you think about the three people who don't know Jesus, the first person actually who comes to mind is you. You've never come to the place of accepting Jesus as your savior. And right now, I mean, maybe for the first time that is making sense. You're going, I get it, I see it. I felt like another, I felt like an outsider. I've never come to that place for the first time. I'm seeing my need to accept Jesus. And you want to take that step today. And if you do, it's really, it's not difficult to do. There's not some magical prayer you have to pray, but I think sometimes praying something helps you mark a moment. And so just in the quietness of your own heart, you don't have to close your eyes or say anything out loud, but you can just pray this in the quietness of your own heart. God, I know I'm a sinner and I know I need a savior. I can't save myself. And so today, Lord, I am placing my faith in Jesus, him alone for my salvation. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, paying for my sins. I ask you to be my savior and be my Lord. I give you control of my life today. If you prayed that prayer, <laughs> I'm guessing you don't feel any different right now. You know, I would love to bring you up on stage. We could baptize you, I disappear. It would be awesome. I mean, if we could do something like that, but that's not gonna happen. And I'm guessing there's nothing that you feel, but let me tell you, there are angels who are celebrating in heaven right now. 
and we'd love to be able to celebrate with you. And so if you took that step, if you would feel comfortable enough at any of the sites and venues, if you would take a moment just to come and, and, and say something to any of the site pastors or to me, any of the worship people, we'd love to connect with you. But I know that's a big step. And so here's the thing we would love to ask any of you to do, is if you would just take a moment with your phone and just text the word yes to us. It's, the number is 608-618-4003. Just text the word yes. Doesn't matter if you're watching online, just text the word yes. 608-618-4003. It just lets us know that you've taken a step. You're gonna get something back from us that you can fill out because we would love to be in touch with you and help you see the next steps that you can take. But I know for some of you, you're like, that's too intimidating. And I get that. But if you text that, it at least lets us know so we can be praying for you. And as the senior pastor here, I promise you, we're going to be praying for you. And for the rest of us, as Blackhawk Church, let's be a community who are on the lookout, who are curious about the lives of people and, are, and take the steps to be prepared that when those opportunities arise that we would be able to step in with them humbly and appropriately to help people see who Jesus is. Imagine, just imagine what God could do through a community of people that he's created could be amazing. Let's pray that way. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the work that you have done in so many of our lives. And God, as I stop to think about that, we really are grateful for the, the work that you have done in us. We thank you so much for the people that you used in our lives to help us understand who you are. God, as, as, as we move forward, we think about the people who you've placed in our lives who don't know you. Would you help us, Father, to be able to see the opportunities that you place in front of us, that we might be able to gently, humbly, appropriately just be able to help people see who you are, that you might use those opportunities to draw people more to yourself, that, that eternity might look different by the way that you use us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.